0: the s the stops. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, well, unlike Bitcoin, has not yet hit the dust. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is the straw man himself, Andrew Page. G'day, mate.
1: How are you? Man, you got that dig in nice and early, didn't you? I wasn't aiming that at anybody, well, well, mate. Well
0: I, I, look, <laughs> if, you're, if you're feeling sensitive about it, mate, I can't help that is all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but you are from strawman.com, as we say every week, and we have uh, one... Listen at least one listener during the week who is enjoying your attempt to describe strawman differently. So, listeners, you're on you're on patrol here because I'm going to forget, right? I mean, we do this too often. You're going to remember if Andrew uses the same description more than once. So, let us know if he does. But it with 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 that warning mate, with that threat hanging over
1: your head, what is strawman.com? Uh, let's have a go at this. Let's let's call it a, a crowdsourced uh, uh, investment platform where we really allow anyone out there to be their own Research analysts, they can share their recommendations, they can put forward their research, it's all tracked against the market and tracked against everyone else. And hopefully you can see some really smart people there that uh, rise to the top of the pack and uh, maybe give you a few good investment ideas. How's
0: that? I love it. I love it. My my favorite my is still my own description, which is a riddle trapped inside an enigma, but I know that's not very useful for you. So <laughs> let's uh, let, let's go with yours instead. That is strawman.com. We will share Andrew's socials a bit later, too. So grab a pen and paper. Uh, do people still do that? Or they just go straight to their phones these days? Does anyone write
1: anything? I, I actually had to try and write something the other day, and I. <laughs> I couldn't read my own writing. It's been well, that I mean, long. my writing is Isn't destroyed. I remember,
0: my writing was always terrible. Honestly, mate, I wrote something yesterday, and I was trying to make some notes for, oh, for doing a media appearance. And I looked back down, I'm like I have no idea what they did. I have to make it up. I literally <laughs> not make it up, make it up. But I, I, I was going to read the notes, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, and it wasn't that much. I, could you write? Could you write a page if you had to go to a, to an exam and write a page of of you know some sort of essay or report? Could you do it by hand?
2: Yeah,
1: I, I could. It was a bit like riding a bike. Ball. The first few sentences were just awful, and then I kind of <laughs> like, oh yeah, that that's what an A looks like, you know? It, that's right, that's right. It's embarrassing. I, I'm just just yeah, you know, yeah. too too keyboard uh, familiar. Totally. The, the
0: only time I use a notepad is literally to make some notes for things like media stuff, where I've got to actually have it to, mm. to reference. I, I made the fatal mistake once. When I was on two GB and four BC during their afternoon. This is a massive tangent. During their afternoon report, and uh, and Deborah and I said, so how are the ASX and the and the dollar looking? And right at that very moment, the, the screen refresh. You know, every you, you now and again they say that on the on the radio oh, do yeah. SMS calls. Oh, I've just lost it. Literally, she goes, "How's the yeah. market?" I'm like, "Um, look, oh, last I saw brutal. the dollar was up, but and it was just it was ugly, <laughs> mate. It was messy. So I, I literally have a notepad now, and it, every five minutes before I go on, every time I make sure I write both numbers down so I don't get caught out. It was one of those. Do it once on on uh, you know <laughs> high profile, high rating radio. You don't make the same mistake twice." My pen and paper can't crash, so there's there's it's definitely got that going for it. <laughs> it's the old story about. Remember Microsoft? You know the Bill Gates joke of if, if Microsoft made cars, they'd go 100 miles an hour and only use you know half a liter to the to the per hundred k's. And the car executive says, "Yeah, except it would, wouldn't. If Microsoft did cars, it'd crash every 100 miles and burst into flames." It was kind of one of those. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. they're, they're great when they're efficient. I's great sometimes yeah. being a little bit more more you know, foolproof and, and safety-proof is, is worth doing as well. Robust, Mate, let's, let's, I hear that. <laughs> let's
1: let's, let's talk about some you know, stocks and investments. We spent,
0: <laughs> we, we, we spent three and a half minutes talking rubbish, which frankly is what we do for most of the rest of the podcast, but at least the rest time we pretend it's stock-related. Mate, we got a yeah. big week, another big episode coming ahead. We've got some big macro to talk through, uh, some kind of good news in an economic sense, but also some impact on the stock market. Speaking of which, uh, big impact on commodity prices. <gasps> We are, as I said at the top, going to talk about Bitcoin, mate, just because, you know, not because I, I you know, want to poke fun at you or, or mention, well, I've lost money as well, but only, only a little bit. Uh, but we all talk about Bitcoin. We'll talk about takeovers. The crown takeover has been a really interesting lesson, I think, for, for many of our listeners who aren't used to having their companies have takeover bids made for them, potentially actually being taken over. We'll talk about that. And a couple of tech stocks, mate, that have had a heck of a week. We're recording this on Thursday morning as we do the 20th of May and already this week two big tech stocks moving in two big different directions and of course the tech market generally what is going on we'll talk about that as well because uh, mm. the, the whole rotation we've talked about we will keep talking about it's a huge huge impact on the market and on many people's portfolios we'll, we'll get into that as well
2: what do you reckon? Uh, it sounds good let's do it let's do it Monthly Fool Money for more go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M let's start with macro And let's start with wages.
0: Now, we had wages numbers out on Wednesday. Good news is they're up 0.6%. Good news is that beat estimates of 0.5%. And this is a quarterly number. So you can do a couple of things. You can either add the last three quarters of growth together, or you can annualize one quarter. You can do whatever you want to try and come up with a number. Um, The annual number though, because we'd had a couple of weak quarters of growth in that annual number was only 1.6%. And we know the RBA is looking for wage inflation. This is one of those situations where (laughs) <laughs> we do about you know it'll be good when we get inflation. It'll be good when wages go up. It'll be good when interest rates go back to normal. And good becomes one of those really funny terms, right? Like, it, on one hand, we want normality. We want neutral. I, th- I think it's reasonable that you know economically, we are most stable, most able to withstand shocks, most able to grow, kind of reasonably, responsibly, and and sustainably when things are kind of at a, at a normal level, right? A, a cruising speed, if you like. Getting there, though, <laughs> or getting back to there, depending on which way you go, can be ugly. So when wages go up, great. I pocket a few more dollars. You, as a business owner, have to pay your staff a little bit more, though, Andrew. So you've kind of got both these factors happening at the same time. Inflation's the same. You know, do, we, do I really want to pay more for petrol and baked beans and, you know, my next computer? No. But is it good for the economy? Yeah, it really, really is. And we talked about that last week, about why it's good. Um, mm. I, I guess what I, the reason why we're kind of wrapping all these up is, A, we start with macro most weeks, and it's worth kind of checking in. But also, too, it's having a really big impact on the share market. We have talked about this a little bit, talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. But it really does seem that the volatility question, the inflation question, and the wages question still are kind of unanswered, hopefully moving in the right direction as I said, get back to some sort of cruising speed. What, what do you make of the most recent numbers and, and where we're sitting?
1: I think first of all with economic data we've we've always got to be careful not to get too excited or otherwise about a single data point. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's really the broader trend that that matters and right. you know you can it, it's often a case of sort of two steps forward one step backward. So it's it's <laughs> you know it's I, I I don't I don't actually in in and of itself I don't think there's great significance. I think as you mm. as you rightly sort of outline there we always land back at the same Point, which is, you know, is is in <clears throat> inflation going to be a problem? What does that mean for the markets? And, yeah, and right. as you said, we, we sort of covered that. So it's sort of, I don't, uh, to be frank, I don't have any fresh takes yeah. on it, other than other than, um, yeah. Look, uh, you want so many things in in economics, you want that Goldilocks kind of phenomenon, not yeah, too hot, right. not not too cold, and they're always double edged knives, and there'll be some, mm-hmm. and and we all. I really wanted to make this point with the budget. You know, we, we all look at things through its impact to us personally, and right. you know, we don't we we, we we forget that often. You know, especially for policy policy makers, you, you're trying to look at the whole and and trying to balance up a whole bunch of things. So mm-hmm. it's very messy. It's very difficult. And then I come back to sort of Buffett and Munger's sort of view, which is you know, just they don't really tend to give a crap about macro too much. <laughs> yeah. Because no matter and the reason is not that it's not important, it sort of seems reckless to say that it, it is important, but it's kind of like you still end up at the same place, which is, yeah. yeah, okay, but I still want to have really good companies in my portfolio and hopefully be buying them and holding them at sensible prices. that's, that's the end point no matter what. So it's kind of I think it, I find it fascinating, but yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think my view has changed markedly after these after this latest set of figures. I'm going, to, I'm going to
0: just partly be Dev as advocate, partly because I think it is actually worth digging to a little bit further. So I think for me there's two things. One is what's the actual impact? And secondly, is just for our listeners, what's, what's, what should they be prepared for and how should they think about what's going to happen, right? Because we as, as experienced investors would say, this is normal, volatility happens, we're used to it, we're just going to get on with it. And that's, absolutely, that's actually the final advice. Right? That's the best advice for everybody listening. But it's going to be bumpy, I think, over the next few months. I think because, A, we don't know where the data's going, and B, the market doesn't know where the data's going. And that kind of feels like the same thing, except it's not, right? So even if we get the forecast of the data right, or we won't because you can't do it. But let's assume we did. The market may have a very different view at different points in time. So if someone says, where's inflation going so I know how to invest, um, That's that. Is that worth asking? Good point, maybe not. Even if you did know the answer, what will the market do? You know, and, and so how should we think about volatility, I think is the bit I wanted to, to, to get to. I'll come back to that because we did talk okay. about that last week. But I wanted. To, I, mm. I'm I'm a big Warren Buffett fan. I've said this before. But I am going to suggest that Buffett's comments are were and are valid, except in extreme circumstances, because Buffett himself said, "If rates stay low, stocks are cheap." That I mean, he 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 kind of unusually. Normally, you would say, as you say, if you spend more than if you spend you know ten minutes thinking about the economy in a year, you've wasted five minutes, right? That that idea of kind of it's not worth thinking about. Don't worry about it. Just get on with it. On the flip side, I mean, Buffett himself, the the, the whole valuation question of stocks. I think matters more than it normally would. I think. I think. I'm not sure Buffett would make that same statement today. I guess is what I'm saying. Given that what he said on CNBC about if stocks are cheap, given he went through the GFC or the GFC, I keep calling that the COVID recession. That's how old I am. Went through the COVID (laughs) recession and didn't get stuck into stocks in March, April, May when he should have, because he was waiting for something or just didn't want to or didn't like it or didn't get the price he wanted. Um, There, I mean, his own returns over the last ten years are. Um, dramatically lower than the previous four decades, in part because he simply chose not to buy. Now, maybe that's going to be the right thing in time. Maybe the market crashes. Maybe Buffett got a lot of money to spend. Maybe look at like a genius again. And he probably will. I'm the last person to do the Warren Buffett's lost it thing because that's been done, you know, every decade for the, for the last three or four. Um, someone says oh, Buffett's lost it. He's, he's not catching up, and then all of a sudden, of course, he has three great years, and we go, "Oh yeah, that's why he's a genius." Isn't so? So those two things. Firstly, it doesn't matter a little bit more than it does or used to, given where rates are. Given it's so extreme but also to, you know, the volatility thing is we are gonna have more volatility, right? As the market tries to guess what happens next and tries to adjust, we are gonna have more volatile share price. And I at least want listeners to know they should be prepared for that. Not necessarily do anything differently, although maybe they should based on low rates, that's a different question. But if there is that volatility, I just wanna reiterate the advice that just know what's gonna happen and learn to be okay. You know, you're bobbing in the ocean and if you bob far enough in the ocean, the waves don't break. You go up and down a lot, but the waves don't break, and that's the best analogy I can come up with. If you're surfing close to shore, and you can, we can torture the metaphor and make that high debt companies or businesses that are, you know, um, don't have a track record or taking too many risks or whatever, you know, uh, whatever you want to use. But but if you're far enough out to sea, the waves don't break, and so you can go up and down, up and down a lot, and it can get seasick and it can feel feel rough, but you're not going to get dumped as long as you
1: stay out to sea. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, one one thing one thing I will um, comment on, and this, this is all of the experts seem to sort of say this. You know, when when macro comes up, it's like, listen, at the moment we're wrestling with this, and I just want to see how this resolves. And once it resolves, mm-hmm. then I'll then I'll make a decision. And here's the problem with that: the the first problem is by the time it resolves, largely the opportunity is gone. Right? Yeah, um, right it's got it's sort of like if, if the, the opportunity comes from the uncertainty so the mm-hmm. the second that everyone knows what's going on um, you know the, the, the market reacts extraordinarily quickly and you've missed your chance so mm-hmm. um, the other problem, and, and perhaps a bigger problem, is that as soon as one set of uncertainties are resolved, guess what? There's another bunch of uncertainties. <laughs> I, I would challenge, <laughs> I would challenge you to yeah. point to a, you know, like w- give me an example of a point in time where it's just yeah. sort of like a- a- absolutely no uncertainties. We're all cool. Um, we're we're all talking about this at the moment. At some point, yeah. we'll get a much much clearer, <laughs> not 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 perfectly clear, but we'll get a clearer picture on it, and then we'll be talking about. I don't know oil prices you know the Pentagon Mm -hmm. releasing you know UFO tapes or whatever you know it'll be it'll be something else that replaces that and so I I just you know and again the people it's the emperor's new clothes you know people in very expensive suits working for very you know very high profile investment banks make all these things Mm. that sound smart but it's just sort of like if you want to wait until the picture is clear You'll never yeah. make an investment because the picture is never clear, and that's that's yeah. implicit in investing. Totally. So, yep. Yep. I I I just think that. And, and and by the way, let's say we lived in some kind of universe where we could have perfect certainty. Well, the nature of capitalism and market dynamics would be <laughs> that you know the the, re, the return would be the same as the risk-free yeah. rate. In other words, you'd yeah. invest in stocks with perfect foresight and get a two percent return. So it's you get
0: cash of, interest, right? You, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: You would. You need the uncertainty for the outperformance. And, and and obviously implicit in uncertainty is the fact that you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. But but again, that's yeah. that's normal too. You know, like the best investors in the world have have strike rates that if they're lucky, might be six or seven out of 10 that are, that yeah. are kind of right. So I think particularly for new investors, you've got to get away from this thing of, of, of feeling as though you need to have this really clear vision on, on where things are mm-hmm. headed. Um, yeah. And you need to get rid of this idea that, you know, every investment you make needs to be a winner. And if, if you make a mistake, you know, you, you're doing something. Something wrong. You, 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 you're never not going to make a mistake. So I guess, I, I guess that's not exactly the you, the point that you're making. But I just, mm-hmm. I land on that from a practical standpoint. No, I think you're
0: right, mate. you right.
1: um, Just, just, just because that's how it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's no, totally right,
1: mate. For for those who. um for
0: those who might be new to investing, I'm going to give myself a plug, Andrew, but um, and also the Motley full. But if you jump on on the full website or just simply Google Scott Phillips of volatility, I wrote two articles. One last week, one this week. The first was called Market Volatility Update. The second was Learning to Love Share Price Falls, where I try to lay out exactly what Andrew's just said. Andrew's probably said it better than I did, but if you want to see it in writing after listening to Andrew's dulcet tones, have a look at that. <laughs> um, hopefully, just you know, to, it, it's the hard part about investing, right? Like we want to we want less people investing, and we want you to invest well. We can't offer you certainty, though, and many people will start investing and then give up or do bad things, dodgy things, you know, because of the volatility. They're simply not prepared for it, ready for it. They don't know how to deal with it, all those bad things. So just, just you know, to Andrew's point, know, know what's going to happen. Make your peace with it, please, because it's the only way you're going to get through this investing thing is making your peace with the volatility. Mate, um, speaking of which, let's go to uh, something that's impacted the market this week. So last week was kind of the inflation hit. This week, volatilities come in materials prices. And again, this is something we have talked about in the past. We didn't make predictions or or, or prophesy. We managed to get it kind of roughly right timing-wise, though, with sheer dumb luck because the ASX, I went again recording this Thursday, the 20th. Yesterday on Wednesday, the ASX was down 1.83%. The materials indices, so um, uh, resource indices, materials and energy, so think about metals and and effectively oil and gas, those two indices, were down 3% each yesterday which is again, like, you know, not outside the realm of kind of regular, often enough experience, but they were down because the gold price fell from a five-month high. Um, the, oh, sorry, the, not the gold price, the oil price fell because Iran seems to be going to be adding supply back to the world oil market, which will permanently increase supply and possibly depress prices. And then iron ore, turns out <laughs> someone's realized that 90%, 90% gross margins aren't usual for iron ore, getting a bit nervous it may be possibly the price might fall which is exactly by the way what we told you last week and we've been saying for a while again well you know no, we didn't make the prediction but i hope i hope no one was surprised by that um it's really hard to sell a winner mate you know Mm. people say to me look i've had all this money on the banks over 40 years i'm up this much surely you don't want me to sell now you know i I, i'm kind of some degree I'm, i'm giving up on my winners um and it's really tempting to kind of think well it's gone it's gone higher surely it can keep going and ideal if I sell now while it's this high because what if it goes higher? You know, it's always that 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 risk, that concern, that kind of question. Um, so I don't know, I don't know if you have a new a new view, but I just thought it was worth highlighting that because we did mention it last week. It happened this week. It probably go back up again. I'm not saying this is the beginning of anything. It just it is what it is. Um, but that's the mood of the market, right? This is. This is mm. the point. None of this was an actual change in supply and demand. It was. It was a. You know, may, maybe Iran starts supplying oil just in case. Maybe the iron ore price falls because people find better or alternative substitutes, either more iron or alternatives in the steel making process for really expensive iron ore. In either case, that's going to hurt demand, right? And or supply. So, these are things that mm. kind of the market also gone. oh, but what if you know? <laughs> what, what, what if? What if we can't just extrapolate forever to the moon? Um, and so just worth, again, highlighting a real example of what we warned about last week.
1: Matt, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I would just, I guess I would, uh, the, the point I would want to emphasize is is the timing point. So I think yep. when, you, you can't invest without making a forecast or some kind of assumption about the future. The act, the act of investing is making a call on the future. You know, it's, it's implicit in that. But Mm-mm. but people tend to think that to to do well, therefore you the, the timing is super important on that as well. And so we yeah. got lucky, we sort of said, Oh man, these prices are not gonna last, and here's here's the reason for it. And it turned out to happen within the next <laughs> week. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but you know, more often than not, it 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 doesn't. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And and the, the point I would make is is one, if if you're if you're only sort of punting in the short term, well that's that's a huge problem. But if you're investing long term, it's not a problem. Um, right, but the right, yeah, and the yeah. other the other point that I would make is is just how difficult how easy that kind of statement and sentiment rolls off the tongue, the tongue <laughs> but how difficult it is to endure because you sort yeah. of you form these opinions and I, I you know I've been doing it for years and years and years and you think this yeah. can't last and 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 I'm not and not because I'm Nostradamus but because. As a student of history and someone who's lived through many cycles, you just you just see the same things repeat. You know right, it's not right. going to last, right. and you go, "Oh, that's stupid." And then, oh, okay, everything everyone's making a lot of money except for me, and then that's okay. I can live with that today, you know. And then you know you yeah. do that for six months, twelve months, eighteen months. That is that is just torture it is and you you really start to doubt yourself and that is i guess that's the point that i would i would sort of make is that just be prepared for those demons to come at night and for that you know (laughs) demon of doubt to nag at your soul the core of your soul go you idiot you know when and and that's why that's why you have these points of capitulation where people have been sort of saying things for years and years and years finally go all right and, and and generally speaking that point of capitulation is just at the point that it turns so yeah. it's it's just I guess yeah just just two things on on what you sort of make is one don't worry too much about uh, uh, the timing but also understand that with that that it is it is going to be very challenging um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, it, you, you, you there there are there are some forecasts that are much easier so I'll give you an example so I would bet a lot of money lots and lots and lots of money that the share market, will probably be higher than it is today in 10 years time. Yep. Right? That's a, I, I that's think a we pretty can good both, bet. <laughs> you know, statistically, you know, over yeah. the last, whatever, 100 years, that's that's almost always, I think, with one or two possible exceptions, or maybe yep. zero exceptions when dividends are, are factored in. So it's a pretty good bet. I'm happy to make that. Now, yep. will the market be higher or lower tomorrow? No idea, no idea. Um, and that's, that's they're both forecasts, but one of them is is much more difficult than the other. So it's right. so just to fall back on that point is is that yeah go go with the easy forecasts right and um, and just understand <laughs> that what you need yeah. you know what I mean like it, it's 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 just don't make life hard for yourself
0: yeah yeah great advice and I think the thing you know what really I've never been able to properly put this in writing I'm overdue to make an effort. People kind of go, "Hey, the market's no higher since two thousand and seven, or or between two points, or it's only up so much." You know, I had a guy say, "Actually, we had a, a question we answer on Sunday, funnily enough, which is exactly that, which will be the question of where is the market now, uh, where you know versus say two thousand and seven, and the question we won't answer it now, although we'll kind of refer to it was, you know, the market. You guys say the market's only up ten percent a year on average, but between two thousand and seven and two thousand and now, it's only up by X." And the first thing was obviously that doesn't include dividends, which was your very, very good point. Um, the second was, it's a question of where the, if you only take two points in the market, say from that point to that point, is it up? Maybe not, maybe it is. But also to him, in the meantime, if you've been regularly adding and the market's been lower for much of that intervening period, well, guess what? You got to buy at much lower prices. And so comparing right. it only to the past high kind of defeats the purpose. You know, actually comparing yeah. instead to, Here's the, you know, here's the situation of you got to buy, let's say, let's say you put ad money every month and I've got to, I've got to pull the numbers that actually do this, right? But let's say between 2007 and now it was up, I don't know, call it 40%. I don't know what the numbers actually are. You know, well, that's not much. Okay, but if it was down for much of that, maybe the average you're adding at is a 40, 50, 60, 70% gain right through that period. And so the kind of idea of just taking last high point to now it's just so fundamentally flawed. I don't mean that as a criticism of the person who asked the question because it's a really genuine question. It's the right question to ask because that's human nature. right? We do. We look at that and go, but hang on. Since one since one high point in the past, that doesn't hold. And it's almost mm. like, you know what? It's the exception that proves the rule because everywhere before and after during that period, have you invested on average through that time? You've done really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And right. Let's, start, and, let's yeah. go on. No, 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 no. Well said. Well said. I was. I'm trying to cry. And keep us moving, mate. Because you and I can talk, um, which is probably just what we're doing a podcast. I, but we should I, try and keep it under four or five truth. hours, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I, well, and and plus I want to get into this next topic because you know it's it's fun. You know which one this is, don't you? I I know
1: which one. I know which one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so look, I I'm I, you know what you've actually you've thrown yourself in front of the bus. I actually am not pointing this at you at all. I promise. Um, but as we I mean it needs to be talked about, right? Bitcoin's fallen 40 percent in what a week. I think, and again, this is... It fell... Was it 20% mm. overnight? I think, again, we're recording this Thursday morning for the... I'll say it for the third time and try to say it again, but just to contextualise it, because going to Bitcoin, it could be up. It could be could double tomorrow night, right? So this could be out of date by the time it hits the uh, hits the recording, let alone by the time it hits the podcast feed. Um, I... You know what? So it, I, I don't really have a Bitcoin view that, that's new. What I what I think is fascinating, interesting, or worth talking about is just the the role of sentiment in markets. We, we, we'll talk about this a lot. I've talked about this a lot, Um when you were here last time, in between, and when now you're back, um, psychology to me is by far the most important part of investing. By far, yeah. the most important yeah. part, right? Because it's it's the thing that'll will it'll help really smart guys make massive mistakes. And I've I don't point fingers at individuals because it's not very nice, but there are some really smart guys who missed the COVID bounce, who sold out everything in February, March, went, oh, this COVID thing, oh <laughs> yeah, I'll wait till I wait till COVID's over and I'll buy back in. They mm. have lost tens and tens and tens and tens of percent returns. Waiting for this recovery that should start once COVID goes away. It was always a, a flawed view uh, in my view. Could, life could have turned it differently in another universe. Maybe the market's still down at March lows, um, but a whole lot of people lost a whole lot of money, right? A- and so, psychology is really, really important. It, what, trying to be overly rational, overly theoretical, um, leads you to a whole lot of problems. Now, the reason I draw that is because in Bitcoin, let's say, and you've said already at the start, you know, you spent lots of drawdowns. I think that's probably right. What I think is fascinating, though, is right now, the drawdowns are exposing what I think is probably just the realities of Bitcoin. Not in a good or a bad way as an asset, but as an mm. investor group. There are a whole lot mm. of people who are investing for reasons that are... I don't want to
1: say spurious because that's unfair. No, say well, stupid. No, no. Call, call a spade a spade. No, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. People are buying right. it because it's its the vibe, yeah. it's the hype, you know, it's going up. You know, well, I think it's Elon, Elon tweeted Elon's. something point, positive. Right. Yeah, I think that's yeah.
0: it, right? So people are saying, well, Elon loves it. I love Elon. Therefore, Bitcoin must be right. And that's fine. Mm. And you can accept, you, can accept that, you know, I, I hope people take our advice and invest because they think I'm, I'm going to give them a good tip. So I don't, I don't blame people for saying, I'll find someone I trust and try and follow their advice. That makes perfect sense. Um, you should make sure you can trust them, by the way, which is a huge issue for a whole lot of spruikers out there. But let's assume you can trust us and let's assume you can trust Elon. Um, even if you did it for that purpose, the other people who do it, the rest of the crowd who make up the market, and whose sentiment you rely on in the short and medium term. There's a whole lot of people look look to the left, look to the right of you, right, metaphorically. Because you're the long term mm. Bitcoin hold, not you personally, although we can talk about you. But on your left and on your right are the hodl crowd. They are, they are the, the diamond hands, laser eyes, whatever, whatever meme is is you know, is is at the top of the charts right now. Um, if you don't know what either of those two terms mean, don't worry about it, don't look it up, it's wasting your time. Uh, but you know, <laughs> it's 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 such a it's such a meme asset, right? The the cool kids mm. who just want to follow Elon went, Oh, Elon, do it, we'll do it. And then Elon says, "Ah, oh, this is environmental issues," and then all the cookers go, "Oh, Elon hates it again." And we will get back out again. And it's one of those things where, and this is this yeah. is the volatility thing we just talked about, really, with iron and other things. It's more it's more obvious and more extreme in Bitcoin because it's such a new kind of you know underappreciated, um, uncertain ca- asset or, or category. You've got mm. this scenario where people just you know that's it. You're holding, but the people to your left and right are like, "Oh my god, this is great!" "Oh my god, this is terrible," and. You know, you just got to be really, really careful if you're buying an asset where sentiment is king in the short to medium term. Even if the thesis is right, and we can talk about individual tech stocks, we can talk about anything really. Um, but if you're buying into an asset where sentiment is the primary driver in the short to medium term, you just got to expect massive volatility. It's like I'm not, I'm not bagging Bitcoin out. I'm not happy it's fallen. I'm not happy it goes up. Um, I own 100 bucks worth. Well, bought 100 bucks worth, as you know, it's probably worth less now than it used to be um, this time last week. But um, it, it's just, it is that story, right? It's just that case of. This is what can happen when your when your asset is largely sentiment driven. Doesn't mean it's not valuable. Doesn't mean it's, there's no business case. It just means that the the marginal buyers and sellers are meme followers, and that's that's that you're going to have to expect massive volatility.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'll say it again, unapologetically. I think a lot of people are getting into this for very stupid reasons, and and ah, oh, there's so much to say here. <clears throat> you know, one for the love of God, let's have some context here. You know that. <laughs> I, I, I hate it with stocks. I hate it with Bitcoin. Yeah. I hate it with anything. Yeah. And people go, "Oh my god, it's down X percent." Or, "Oh wow, yeah. it's up this much." You are like, <laughs> "Dude, this thing is up nearly fourfold in the last year." Okay, so right, exactly. let's yep. let's yep. let's keep that in mind. All right, this is yep. the best performing asset in history with a three million, million percent return since it was sp- the first coin was sort of minted. So, I mean. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of yeah, let's yeah. let's let's put that in perspective too, and let's also put in perspective. It's had plenty of these drawdowns, and as I've always said, this is going to happen again and again and again and again. There's there's no there's no. Um, Easy fundamentals mm, with mm, with Bitcoin, so it's kind of all sentiment, yeah. kind of driven, and and I've, I said at the beginning, it's that's just like point I fully that's really important. Okay, keep going. We'll come back to that. Yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is there, there, there is there is every likelihood that even if mm. let's say for the sake of argument that Bitcoin is worth a hundred thousand dollars in in five years time. Mm. I would say, even if that is the case, that we will see at least three or four fifty percent drawdowns along the way, and a whole bunch of twenty percent. I mean, it happens all the time. Remember, even at the start of this year, it went from in Aussie dollar terms fifty two grand down to thirty eight grand. So that's a huge drop, you know. And then the next week, it was up, and it's just like we, we, we are losing sight of the of the forest for the trees. So if you're yeah. if you're hodling, as they say, Bitcoin or any other kind of coin. Because it's going yeah. up, and you're trying yeah. to make a bit of a punt. Good luck to you, but you know, go to the track or go to the casino. Yeah. It's, it's it's the yeah. same kind of thing. Um, I think it's important that to hand-
0: even if people are do it for the right reasons,
1: though, still have to deal with the psychology of what's
0: happening to their asset, right? Like, I, I can imagine, you know, you're tearing your hair out at some point. You're happy when it goes up. You're pretty unhappy when it goes down. But by the way, you kind of realize that there is just at, at the margins, the marginal buyer, and marginal seller are people you wouldn't take a tip from at the track, let alone in investing, right? They're people who are, you know, they're on Twitter and they see or Instagram, they see Elon, so they buy because Elon's buying, they sell because Elon's selling or because it's going up or because it's going down or because their mate told them to or because it's tech and it's cool. Um, You you know, I think that's the, more than most assets, maybe more than almost any other asset, the idea of kind of like you've got to buy it for fundamental reasons. You really shouldn't look at the price for 10 years. I mean, as much as we say about any company, any shares, right? But it's one of those Mm -hmm. things where if your thesis is right, it's got to play out over 10 years. It's going to be a hell of a ride. You'll actually do yourself a favour by, by buying them, putting them in the proverbial digital bottom drawer and then actually feeling you own them because there, there's nothing to be gained by looking at the share price, right? I mean, you feel richer some days, poorer some days, but all you're really doing is watching, watching an emotional group of people who are watching yeah. a football match, who are like yelling mm-hmm. in, in, in ecstasy and agony back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, rather, actually, kind of look at the end of the season, saying, "So, who who won for the year?" You know, it, it's one of those, mm. it, you know, football crowds or some, something where emotion is really, really, really high. Trying um, trying try to track that is crazy behavior, right?
1: It's it's, it's oh, just more, ignore more worse it. than like, The it. only t- the only time I look at it is when when you know it's like today. It's like you'll say, "Oh, it's down X percent," I crap was it i didn't know like and 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 but the same token right let's say let's say next week we're talking and it's up another 30 percent or something like that mm-hmm. couldn't care less i that's not my yeah. thesis yeah, i've always right right. i've always stressed the importance of i love this quote from peter lynch which is just so good i might get a tattoo it says this it says <laughs> not really but but if i you was heard if, if, you, heard if, if first, if, you heard it here first you heard it here first andrew if, next week we'll have right, a tattoo we'll post a right phone on on the social the f- media account <laughs> across the forehead in in uh reverse so i can read it in a mirror um and it is what it's what it is is know what you own and know why you own it and i think that one sentence is basically oh that's investing whatever in whatever it is right um know what you own and know why you own it and and if if you don't know what it is you own if you can't again we've said this about companies if you can't have a well-formed understanding of what the business is, what it does, what its key profit drivers are—all this stuff that, for a lot of people, will be boring as, as hell and yeah, and yeah. complicated to sell. That's fine, but just just don't do it if you don't understand. And most in, I've said many times before, this mm-hmm. whole bunch of stuff I stay a mile away from. Not because I've got strong opinions on it being a bad investment, just because I'm not smart yeah. enough to get it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Um but even if I do uh, have uh, feel as though I know what it is, I, I need to understand why I own it mm. and so this just to draw this back to Bitcoin or, or Ethereum or any of the other ones, it's just sort mm. of like you know do you know what this is <laughs> for starters and that's that's actually a harder question. this is, this is mm. you go right down the rabbit hole on that but once you get over that hump. Why are you holding it why why are you owning it is is it because you expect it to be higher next week or is it because you're expecting that in 10 20 years time this is going to be another major asset class and worth many multiples of what it you have to have that thesis that gives you the touchstone to to measure and to contextualize things that happen in real time as they unfold so when something like oh god I mean I, the amount of messages I've got lately of bloody Bitcoin we're going ah it's down like dude this is why I this is what I hold and this is why I hold it Mm. and and I've never Mm. ever ever bought it for for this expectation of it it just going straight to the moon and never falling back it it is and and I would really stress that with anyone out there who's, who's wrestling with this um, today and then the other question is the the people say oh is it is it an opportunity to buy and it's like well if you liked it at seventy five thousand Australian yep. you should love it at fifty thousand <laughs> right yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like if, if nothing else has changed forget about this kind of stuff and one thing I would encourage people to do is just pull up a chart of Bitcoin pick a random year any year you like and scale it appropriately so it fills the fills the y-axis and it'll kind of look. What like it looks like now. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. it just, it just, it's this massive roller coaster ride. And we never talk about, oh man, do you remember when Bitcoin fell 30% in, you know? <laughs> Because it's irrelevant. And this is irrelevant too. So th- there's there's my rant on it. You know, just just if, no if, if you mate. are going anywhere near this stuff, understand that there's a better and even chance it'll go to zero. I've always had that view. Understand that it's got a very, very good chance of, of falling very significantly along the way. And that the only sensible rationale for holding it is, is as a very, very long-term play with an asymmetric payoff.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think – and I only want to – I will put one, one caveat, mate, just to – I, wanted, I want to amplify a point you made but also characterise it a little bit. Just When you say if you like it at 75, you should like it more at 50, that's absolutely true. We would always say, though, don't buy something just because it's going up or sell it because it's going up and don't buy something just because it's going down or sell it because it's going down. If you didn't like it at 75, the fact that it's falling 50 doesn't mean you should rush out and all of a sudden buy it, right? So it's kind of, it kind of no. goes both ways. So whether it's shares or Bitcoin yeah. or anything, um, don't let the charts tell you what to do. To Andrew's point, if you've absolutely understood an asset and you think it's worth X and then X is higher than 75 grand, if the, if the asset price is below that, then you're being offered a discount. You're, you're, you're getting your Coke on special, you're getting your jeans on special. It's on sale. If the jeans are worth buying at 100 bucks, if they're off for 75 bucks, you don't go, I'm not going to buy those. They're obviously rubbish jeans. Mm. They're, they're 25% mm. off, right? Everyone knows you're going to grab a couple of pairs. Well, I do anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm known to shop online for jeans. Um, and I'll, I'll do it when there's a special and I put them in the cupboard. The uh, But the, uh, the, the you know, totally. it's, it's one of those things where don't buy just because it's down, but equally don't sell just because it's down. And, and if you like it a lot, then a lower price should be good. By the way, a higher price can actually be bad for some assets because they get above your expectations of what it's going to do. And so those are times to sell. So Mm. it's it's mixed messages, but also the same message, which is neither buy nor sell because of share price movements in any direction. Um, Understand what you think it's worth. If it's cheaper, buy. If it's more expensive, maybe much more expensive, then consider selling.
1: Fair? absolutely absolutely I mean I, 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 this is where Bitcoin is probably a bit different from everything else that I own is that I actually I, I, I like to have a valuation for things I, the Bitcoin valuation mm. is super hard I mean wh- what is it what is it really worth um, yeah. that's a that's a phenomenally hard one I just think that if, if it is something that, that does ever get any kind of uh, degree of adoption it's it's worth um, ma- at least the magnitude of order higher than it is that is now Um right so so yeah so I guess the the way I would I would sort of uh, apply that just from a practical sense is if 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 all of a sudden I woke up tomorrow and it was worth a hundred thousand dollars, mm. okay, I might take that bird in the hand. That 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 right, would probably okay. be good, good enough <laughs> that? For, for me. <laughs> yeah. But if it went if it went up if it, if it went up, you know, just back to where it was at its high, I probably wouldn't. You know, even though nice, that nice. you know that, that that represents a very attractive profit for me. I'm not I'm not looking at my profit or loss situation as to whether I rationalise or justify the holding as yeah, it is now. It's yeah. more about where I see it in ten years.
2: Motley Fool Money <laughs> Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
0: Let's, let's go from, um, from <laughs> I'm not sorry, I was gonna say slow and ridiculous, but from the exciting to the relatively boring but important. Um, we direct Crown casinos, Crown resorts. It's had a torrid old last couple of years. Um, it's going through a takeover. And I just thought it was a worth a worthy kind of conversation to have because there's lots of moving parts here that, that really kind of talk through what happens in takeovers. And if your company is making a takeover or being um, being offered some money to be taken either private or being bought by somebody else, um, it just kind of, I, I think hopefully for our listeners will contextualize what a takeover process kind of looks like. So I'm going to do into a bit of a potted history, Ram, and then get you to jump in uh, mm-hmm. from time to time on the way through as we kind of, kind of try and break this down a little bit. So... The first thing is, obviously, Crown Casino is having a tough time. Regulators are all over it. Uh, visitors were down. Share prices down. And there are some longer term... By the way, this is one of the fascinating things. Generally speaking, PE investors are longer... Private equity investors are longer term than the rest of us as, as a market, right? So, you kind of go, hang on. So, they're prepared to accept that this is a temporarily low price and buy the asset cheap. Everyone else in the market should be thinking the same way, right? So, when PE is buying, the very first thing you should think is, Hang on. If I think it's worth this price, I'm probably selling out too cheaply. So that's the first thing I would say when it comes to private equity. Yes, the share price is down. Yes, a little bit more. But if you're 10 or 20 percent more than the current price, you're kind of tempted to go. oh, bugger it. This hurts too much. The the 20 percent gain, all, all, you know, in a day, you know, whenever the takeover is done, that'll help. I'll feel better. They're they're not they're not buying to get, do your favour, right? <laughs> they're buying at the higher price. They want to take the business over and even more money. So be sceptical um, about whether or not you should sell at that point. So that's the first thing. Second thing, mate, is the way this happens. So. They had a bid from a private equity mob called Blackstone, and they came to the party and said, we want to offer you, I think it was eleven eighty-five a share from memory. I might be wrong on that, but it's roughly that. Uh, and they said, here's the offer. Now, the board did what the board's always supposed to do. No Australian ASX company board should accept the first offer. So, you know, by definition, because, you know, if someone's offering you some money, it's like a negotiation. Someone walks up and says, hey, I'll, I'll give you fifteen grand for your car. You're going to go, well, hang on, I wasn't selling the car. I'm not going to take the first offer. How about twenty five? And then you start the negotiation, right? So the very first thing you should do when the first offer is made is say no. And every board ever, with very few exceptions, unless the offer is dramatically huge. Some offers have been 50, 60, 70% premiums, right? So in that case, you take the money and run. But when they offer you money, the first thing you do is arbitrarily say no. So you should expect if your company has made an offer for your, your chair and your board directors will say no outright.
1: So that's when we get to the first, the first thing. Then you hope. Plus, if I was, go plus if that. I was just sorry, just just quickly, if, if yeah, I was go. to be a cynic, too, you know, often for these things, you're really voting on whether you want to have a job or not, right? So if, if you're, <laughs> there that too. If you're on the board, you know, again, just to be cynical, you're just like, well, wait a second, we We've got a pretty good deal going on here. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> y- y- if we get taken over, I'm gonna lose my job. So and it, yeah, it's, it's a factor.
0: It's a factor. There is that. So then, okay, so that, that's what happens up front. You then start to see what happens next, and. Generally speaking, there is some sort of negotiation often uh, where basically the board say, no, we think we're worth more. Uh, and then you, you kind of wait for a second bid. In this case, Crown did something which is either really brave or crazy brave, depending on which way mm. we look at it. Crown just didn't engage at all. They said, we acknowledge there's been an offer. We're not going to talk to you. And that was it. And I thought at the time, that was really gutsy, right? Crown's been through the ringer. Regulators regulators, all over them. James Packard trying to sell his shareholding. And the board just kind of go... No, not talking. That's that's a really cool negotiation. Like it's it's either, it's it's either brave or crazy brave, right? Because when the bidder walks away, mm. as has happened, by the way, in different contexts, and I'll get to that in a second, if you're left with nothing, the share price is going to crater. So once, you, mm. once you're in that position as a, as a CEO or a chair or a director, you're kind of now playing this game of either we make money or we lose money from here because the, the, there is no option where nothing changes, right? The share price gets mm. bid up because there's a takeover. The takeover goes away. The share price crashes back down. So you really are now starting to play a game of what do I want next and they, they were I said either, either brave or crazy brave uh, really played it very cool and in this case it's worked for them because Blackstone came back to the table with a higher bid so yeah they made some money doing that
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the same time the crosstown rival the old crosstown rival footy term Star Casino also lobbed a bid and I got to say mate at that point I reckon the board's gone oh thank god we were, we were hoping that was going to happen thank god they turned up with some money because now there's some competitive tension in the bid right and that was the thing mm-hmm. i think that's probably justified them saying no in the first place was the fact they got to say to come back and say right we see, see we said no see someone else offered us some money it was worth doing look how well we've done yeah. I thought that was just the other part of the story that i don't again do you reckon they're lucky or were they were they clever how do you characterize that given the the odds they were up against
1: well, yeah, who knows what happened behind closed doors as well. There could have been a few phone calls saying, hey, you know, we're, we're
0: interested. <laughs> Come and talk. You yeah, know, yeah, maybe. we're on the
1: market, you know, maybe, you know, a bit of speed dating, you know, giving giving uh, a few potential suitors a sort of, you know, heads up that I'm available. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I I tend to think that with uh, TakeOver offers, um unless there are really high likelihood that there will be competitive tension or it's just like an insanely low bid I'm yeah. of the mind that you just take it and and I, I take your point that they're not silly they're not they're not putting a price in that they think is is um, sensible but there's that asymmetry again if it doesn't work then it's going to fall all the way down right. that value to be seen there is only unlocked assuming that right, they right, he, right. here's a com- the, the company is trading at a discount to the takeover price. Before this was even a, a, a possibility, before this was on the table, the market valued it. And the market's usually right most of the time, as much as we like to sort of talk <laughs> exactly. about how rational it is. And and yeah. because you know, and look, Crown's a great example. I mean, this business has done nothing for a decade or more. You know, it's just been a really bad investment. And they, they, they've got a business which gives them a license to print money, and they've been really bad at it. I'm, I and mean, that's that's not a subjective. <laughs> that's right. It's not it's not even a subjective. You, I mean, look look at the earnings per share o- over yeah. time. It's just yeah. it's just not yeah. it's not gone anywhere. Yeah. You know, the dividend is less today than it was in 2012. Um, is that not even
0: based on COVID, mate? Should we not look at the least? Just to be fair. Should sure, I look at twenty nineteen numbers instead? I mean, the current dividends are going to be crap because, frankly, turns out no one went to a casino for six months. Is that is that part of that part of it, which is that, yeah, no, that's the the, beers? yeah,
1: that's that's that that is that is potentially true as well. But it, it's kind of it's kind of um, so. Okay, so let, 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 let's play it through. Companies going along, and, I, and I'm saying I don't think Crown's been very well run. And I think all of these right. things that have emerged right. probably demonstrate that. And there's a whole yep. ethical dimension to that as well, which will be you know something or nothing for, for people depending on who they are. Yep. Um, so just just an ordinary company. Um, and then all of a sudden you get this chance to sell it at a much, much higher price. Now, mm-hmm. it's, that, yeah. it's the bird in the hand versus two in the bush kind of scenario. Could another bid come along? Uh, well actually yes it could and in fact Mm -hmm. did and and a higher one so you've and and, and those who held on waiting for that you know what they got a 7% extra premium (laughs) so so yeah. So it's kind of like, well, okay, you turned out to be right. If you were wrong, so if you were right, you got what, seven, let's maybe goes all the way up to 10% high. That's that's nice. If it, if it goes wrong, you've got like mm-hmm. a 20, 25% downside there. Mm-hmm. It's just bad maths for, for my money. And I think often when I look at the history of takeovers, yeah. not, just yeah. the, not just looking at this company, I just think that, you know, people get irrational and get greedy. And you kind of think like, here's an opportunity. I can press a button right now. And I, even mm. if it's even if there's a little bit of arbitrage opportunity where where the the market price isn't quite at the bid price, really, I mean, what's the risk? Why why roll the dice? Why expose yourself to uncertainty yeah. Yeah. when when you might get one or two or three or five or ten percent higher? When if if it doesn't go your way, then there's a very very big fall. It, to to me, it just sort of seems uh, yeah. unfavorably asymm- asymmetric, and. Yeah. You know what? You, you the, the money that you take off the table, there's, there's. I would say, especially in the case of Crown, there are dozens of better companies out there that you can now deploy that into. So, um, I don't know. It's not really the question you asked, but in terms of in terms of Crown, I, I, if I had any shares, I, I'd be selling them on market right now, and uh, yep. and I would be putting that money elsewhere. You know, you might yep, you might kick yourself down the track when a thirteen dollar <laughs> bid comes through. <laughs> That's right. But you know, thirteen dollars versus what market price of what is it twelve sixty or something today? It's like, yeah. Eh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. It's not that big. It's not that big percentage wise. I think for me about that's and you, you. So you've
0: highlighted exactly the point I was going to make. We actually it was a recommendation of our share advisor. We sold it. Uh, it has been on hold for a while. We sold it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think on exactly that basis, simply yeah. on the basis that you know what, you know, Maybe there's a better bid. Maybe there's not. But if the share price falls because the you know people walk away. Um, then you know, you've got to wear that entire loss Then you've got to wait, you've got to wait for the work to be done. Um, mm. So I'll have a couple of thoughts just to, again, devil's advocate a little bit to flesh it out. First thing is, as I started by saying, if P are offering you a certain price, you can, you can assume they think it's worth more than that because they want to make some money themselves. Now, they probably think they can run it better. Maybe they can. Uh, maybe they that's the, the assumption short-term.
1: though. Sorry, mate? Sorry, that, that's the assumption that they can run it yes. better.
0: Yes, and yeah. they believe they can. That's why, they, that's why they're buying it, right? Or yeah, sure. they believe it's simply too cheap and then at some future point, they can sell it back to the market at a more cyclically attractive price, maybe at time, maybe two two years' time, Barangaroo's open, tourism's back in full swing, profits are booming, and they say, look, profits are up, they've doubled since 2021, we've got to sell it for $20 a share, make our 80% return in a couple of years, walk away into the sunset. Um, so there's, there's both those things probably happening at the same time. So, you know, one hand, you know, be careful if someone's offering you, you know, if someone offers you an unsolicited bid, they do it because they think the price is good. But as you say, they, they do bring things to the table that we can't bring. I can't go and clean out the crowd management board and take over and run it myself. Um, I've got to mm-hmm. kind of buy a few shares and then hope the business rights itself. So they do have a, an advantage there. Second thing I'll say for what it's worth is your, your asymmetric bet is a really the right point. Asymmetric, for those who aren't familiar with the term, basically means there's a there's a, a different uh, probability of, of one outcome than the other. So it may be asymmetric in the positive. In other words, there's a much bigger chance of a big outcome and a small chance of a, a small outcome. Or, in, to Andrew's point, maybe you get a little bit more, or maybe you lose a lot. In other words, the, the downside is much bigger. It's not—it's not, it's not a symmetrical. Bet it's not even on both sides of the of the of the ledger. Mm. And I think mm. that's absolutely true, Matt. I think this is one of those cases where I've used the example before. But if you toss a coin, the odds of heads or tails are fifty-fifty, right? Yep. But if you only but if you only toss it once, the odds might still be 50-50 theoretically. But you're either going to get one hundred percent heads or one hundred percent tails. So yeah. th- th- there is—you know—there is no chance of getting a fifty-fifty coin toss unless it lands on the edge. and I've never seen it happen. Um, you're going to get heads or tails, even though the odds are 50-50. Now, in Crown's case, to Andrew's point, maybe there's a bidding war, maybe the shares go to 15 bucks or maybe there's not and they fall. The, the, the problem, and this is the hard, again, we're talking about sort of temperament and psychology for investors. You've got to apply a probabilistic um, expectation to a single case. And that's really, really hard, right? Because if Crown goes up, Andrew and I look like Dills. If Crown falls, Andrew and I look like Geniuses. And when neither of those things... We are just simply saying that if you run this scenario over as many takeovers as there's been over 20, 30, 40 years, the odds are very good that you would be better off taking the money up front foregoing the chance of a small upside because you're also avoiding the chance of a big downside. And generally speaking, most takeovers either don't happen or when they do happen, happen roughly at the offer price anyway. And so the vast bulk are either going to be you sell on the market for roughly the takeover price or you lose a lot of money if the share price falls. And in a few cases, you make a bit of money. And that's one of those scenarios where whatever the crown outcome, it won't be emblematic of the overall result necessarily. You've got to play the odds and say, all I can do is look at the probabilities. It's only a single case. I'm only tossing the coin once. I know it's a Mm. fair coin. I know it's 50-50, but it's either going to be heads or tails and I need to live with that. It doesn't mean I should have believe that all of a sudden thereafter, every coin toss going to be 100% heads or 100% tails. It's just the fact that one sample, one, one, one data point doesn't describe adequately the results of the entire sample of, of takeovers in this case.
1: It's it's such a good point, And it's a broader one than just this example with the right, probabilistic yeah. thinking, which is so important to to investing. So so it, it happens all the time for me, you sort of say something and then it turns out that that the opposite sort of happen, and people go, aha, you were wrong. And it's like, well, actually, mm-hmm. maybe this is just arrogance and protecting ego. I say, like, I don't <laughs> think I was, you know, I, I think at, you can only base your decision on what the information that you have at the time. So it's like the guy who plays Russian roulette five times, pulls the trigger and, and walks away from the table and goes, huh, see, that wasn't that wasn't dumb at all. This this is how my yeah. eight-year-old thinks, right? Like, she'll be jumping on the couch just, you know, a, a millisecond away from cracking her head open. You go, don't do that. It's really dangerous. You go, no, no, see, nothing happened. It was fine. And it's like <laughs> the, the outcome... The outcome doesn't change what the odds were, and 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 I think you need to think that, and you need to be fine with it. So in, in in the market and in investing, you can you can do the right thing and get the wrong outcome, and you can do the wrong thing and get the right outcome. It happens all of the time, and it's a really sort of pernicious problem. Um, not a problem. It just it's just a very difficult thing to sort of accept. But but you must you must accept it, and you mustn't let the outcome. Uh, mm, uh, mm, mm. If you if your thinking process is correct and yeah. and you're, and you, you've you've arrived at a, a very sensible uh, conclusion, the fact that it didn't go your way doesn't mean you were wrong. It just yeah, means yeah, in correct, this exactly instance you were wrong. Right. But if you, as that's you right. said, if you did it a thousand times, then more likely you, you you're going to be more right than wrong, and that's the name of the game: being right more yeah. often than you are wrong.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you if you take take the coin example, if you had, if you had a, an unfair coin that Was loaded on the head side to be 90, 10 heads and tails. There's, there's still gonna be 10 tails, that's still yeah. the point, right? And the fact that the fact you get a, a 10 a tail every now and again doesn't invalidate the reality of it being a loaded coin in this case, or the reverse. Yeah. If you get 10 tails in a row, doesn't mean it's not a fair coin, it's just that the individual sample oh, it, done enough times for long enough over enough cases, which is exactly what we're trying to do with investing buy a diversified portfolio, buy small amounts, buy regularly, put those odds in your favor. Um, if you if you've got the rough. Idea. and even I mean, to your point about Peter Lynch earlier, right? He was right six times out of ten. That's barely mm. above average, but the results of that are, are phenomenal. So it's worth it's worth mm. being careful mm. and being mindful, mindful of that as well. I like it. Agreed, Mate, Let's start, let's let's move on. We want to just quickly talk about some tech stocks because it's been a heck of a week for tech. A um, couple of big ones: EML, the payments company. Mm. Its mm. shares fell forty five percent on Wednesday after mm. the company announced that the Irish regulator was looking into potential uh, examples of, we should say, alleged a lot here because there's allegations of the companies. There there are allegations and concerns, but we don't want to paint it as fact. So the Irish regulator is looking into, potentially, uh, EML being used for money laundering in Ireland. I didn't know this, Mm. mate. Ireland is 27% of revenue for EML. It is huge. Yeah, it's a big chunk. Um, Now, I dare say that's probably because of European tax laws. They probably base themselves there, and so a lot of the money flows through there. Um, But that's a really, really big chunk. It raises the risk of, I guess, questions about the Irish operation. Investors are probably thinking, "Well, hang on, if it's happening there and there's no sufficient controls, are there issues elsewhere?" Worth worth asking. We know these businesses that are scaling quickly. Um, if you dent the sales growth rate across the board, the shares aren't worth anything like what you used to pay for them. So there is that of kind of, you know, Island's only 27 percent of revenue, but it shares are fallen forty five percent. Is that an yeah. over over you know um, overreaction? Maybe, but maybe not because twenty seven percent of revenue is probably if you took that away, going to hit profit by. 30, 40, 50%. And there may be bigger systemic issues. And whatever growth rates are built into the business model and the share price may well be under threat because of this. And so you roll all those together. I'm not an email shareholder, I'm not a bull or a bear, by the way. On the company, this is new and surprising news for everybody. That's why the shares fell by almost half. Uh, big, big changes made and, and worth asking, I suppose. Do you have a view on EML? Is this one of those growing pains, problems? I mean, we saw Westpac hit with money laundering issues through Oztrack, the um, money laundering um, regulator here in Australia. They've kind of survived and thrived and gone on with it. Um, is the market right to, to, to cut a company's shares in half over this sort of stuff or is it an overreaction because the company will work through it and, and kind of get out the other side and keep growing because its the products are in demand? Uh, we'll
1: know for sure in a year or so. it um, <laughs> but It'd be too late <laughs> then. <laughs> but you're too late then. I, I don't That's think good, the market yeah. is. I, I don't. I don't think the market is silly. I mean, if there's one thing the market hates, it's uncertainty, and this is yeah. huge. So, so I feel for shareholders and EML because this is actually a really great business. Well, this this. Has all the appearances <laughs> of a really great, great business. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, you know, exactly.
1: they earn 117 million dollars in revenues in in yeah. 2020. You know, in 2015 it was 13 million, and it's just it's this exponential hockey stick of a, sh- uh, of, a of a revenue chart here. Mm-hmm. It's actually doing stunningly well. And they've got a really cool little niche, uh, the niche in which they operate. There's a big market opportunity. They've got good technology. I think I think there's actually a very cogent, sensible bull case. So this is this is probably a good example of what we're talking about before about people making some very sensible decisions but getting the wrong outcome. Um, And and this is this is I I shouldn't. It's not a black swan, but it's it's you know it definitely has come out of left field. so, mm. so you, so a couple of things. Yes, this is this is exposing themselves to a very, very big uh, a chunk of their revenue, a quarter of their mm. revenue, and and more than that of their. The, you know, you you have fixed yeah. costs underneath all of that as well. Correct. So, if the yeah. revenue drops twenty seven percent, you can bet that the, the profit is going to drop a lot more than that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's also it just it raises, rightly or wrongly, it raises some question marks around management. Did you guys do? enough due diligence when you mm-hmm. acquired the, the, this, this company that operates there did you do? are there other sort of snakes in the grass or skeletons in the closet or whatever term you want to use <laughs> that are out there if, if this has happened on your watch for this business and, and a very big part of your business what right, else right. have you ha, have you missed um, th- there's that as well um, the, the Irish regulator could shut them down um, yeah. so it really it, it really it really could be huge and it's really going yeah. to, to, to hobble them the directives from the regulator might actually be: "Listen, we just need you to tighten up your compliance," yeah. and it might actually have zero impact. That's the range yeah. of possibilities that, that you are looking at, and so and the market's right to sort of, you know, sell first, ask questions later. I think in this in this uh, instance, right, okay. um, just isn't because though, the, 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 so play devil's advocate again, mate,
0: isn't mm-hmm. that kind of the, the problem or the challenge for investors generally? Is you, you need to buy. Uncertainty. You need to disagree with the market from time to time. I'm not saying you buy everything that falls or everything with, with hairs on it because some of it is dramatically bad. But I mean, it's kind of like the, the whole COVID recession, right? By the time the coast is clear, the shares are back to where they were pre-COVID. And you're like, well, I waited, for the, I waited for everything to kind of go away and I've missed this massive opportunity. I'm not saying people should buy email or not. Yeah, it's way, a great it's point. Just, just yeah. outright saying, if you wait for the coast to be clear all the time, you're kind of buying at the top of the market. You know, Buffett says you pay a high price for a cheery consensus. How, how do you I just, separate yeah. the... Market might be overreacting. There might be an opportunity here. From man, don't touch us with a barge pole because this could be really bad.
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I made the same point earlier on, um, but, but yeah, so I, for me, it comes down to there. There are, there are different types of uncertainty. So if I am holding, I don't know, JB Hi-Fi, and they have a pretty crappy quarterly result, you know, sales just weren't great. Uh, you know, maybe they'll, maybe it'll take another couple of quarters for them to get back. Or there's, there's a, that's a different type of uncertainty. It doesn't, it's not yeah. uncertainty about the fundamental raison d'etre of the business itself and whether <laughs> yeah. or not it, it, it's not existential. Um, this, this, this is for, for, and this is, I'm not telling people what to do. Do it, do what you like. There's a, there's a, there's, there's probably a decent chance here that mm-hmm. they'll actually just cop a bit of a slap on the wrist and then they'll, they'll, they'll jump 20%, you know, the next day. Yeah, so, right. But but for me I'm just happy to I'm just happy to walk away from things that I don't feel as though I can put it, put any kind of odds on and for me yeah. here that that that's th- so it's an excellent question and you're 100% right it's different when i when i loaded up on my e road shares um, not too long ago because they had a they had a disappointing half in in the in the us it was like this this doesn't change anything this is yeah. just how business goes and and, and like yeah, yes right. there's, uns- there's there's definitely uncertainty there in terms of well when does it start to improve and all the rest of it and you know right. um but that's just very different it wasn't like this business might not exist tomorrow and <laughs> and i have no ha- let's let, let's say let's say i I've, I've got a, a team of 50 of the world's smartest researchers working mm-hmm. for me and I, I set them to task on EML. Like, where do you start? How, how, do, you, yeah. how do you even address the question? I, I, mean, I, I don't even have access to the information because it's all in-house, closed book kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So it's not like I just it's just a matter of reading enough annual reports or reading enough financial. It's, it's almost impossible <laughs> to know. So yeah. that, that's the, that's my answer to your very excellent question, which is for me, it's yeah. sort of like I think one of the skills you need as an investor is just to recognise when you when you you can't actually put any any kind of sensible um, thing around it, and and, and if you can't, yeah. that's cool. Walk, walk yeah. away. And, and here's the other thing as well, right? So let's say let's say, and, and this is just me. But, and I don't own EML shares. Um, and I'm not inclined to buy because of that uncertainty. but if if, if I did, I personally would be inclined to sell now. Something right. will happen in the next whatever period of time, which will which will clarify all of this. And if it does if it does if it does resolve to the positive, then yeah, shares are going to rise up a lot. but I'll probably yep. still get a chance to buy at a price that was cheaper than it was the day before. i can I can always go back in. Yes, I might kick myself so oh, I could have I could have got it at two dollars eighty and you know here I am buying it at three dollars ninety or something like that instead. Yeah, right. but that three dollars ninety might be a far more sensible proposition because it's much higher price but much lower risk and it's it's yeah. that risk yeah. reward thing and and this is just me personally. I, I think it's it's just too much of a coin flip at this stage. Great returns if you get that coin flip right. <laughs> Terrible returns if you get that coin flip wrong. I'll, I'll yeah. take I'll take a much less attractive proposition re- return proposition, but with much mm-hmm. lower risk. That and that's just me. Interesting,
0: mate. I look. I have a strong view on, on email. I have to say, I have followed it. Um, it is one that we've we've ha- have recommended the fool before. Uh, it's. It's a difficult one for me because I am inclined to wonder how much worse this business gets, assuming that, well, the, 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 the tipping point for me is how much does this um, expand past Ireland. If this is an Irish problem only, that fall to me feels like roughly the ballpark of reasonable. In other words, if, Ireland, if Ireland's 27% of revenue and it stops tomorrow, uh, and there's, they're left with you know the other three quarters of the business and maybe the profit's... Call it halved, right? Guess what? The share price halved, profits halved. So you're kind of getting a reasonably similar value proposition of what you would have got at a higher price, with the possibility the Irish business doesn't get shut down, in which case there's upside. So if mm-hmm. I was if I was a if I was a betting man and I'm not, and I don't know the business well enough to really have a strong view, I I've got to say the size of that, if it was a 25% fall, I'd probably be on your page. I think at mm-hmm. almost 50% fall, I'm going, you know what? Unless this business is fundamentally structurally broken. Which is like, you know, turns out there's money laundering issues across the whole business, or the only place that's growing was Ireland. And I don't know these answers, right? So, this is what I'd be checking if I was an investor uh, or a potential investor in, in EML. Um, but if, it, if, it, if it's reasonably likely that it's constrained to some part of Ireland, then I kind of figure you're kind of paying a price that they already suggests that Ireland doesn't continue as a business. Um, and so, if your view is it's only an Irish problem, I, I, and, and by the way, the problem might be resolved and they might get back to business, they might keep some of that business end or keep growing. I'm almost inclined to take the opposite view, ironically, which is probably nice for the podcast, which is there's probably still some yeah. opportunity, right? There's probably something there. Um, given that, as I said, if it was 25% fall, I'd be on your page entirely. I just kind of figure, man, unless this is fundamentally permanently broken, which it might be, and that's absolutely part of the part of the decision set. If it's not, this feels like a, a fall that is reasonably overdone if you look out three to five years. But again, I, I could be completely wrong, and, and what do I know? Mate, let's um, let's go from that too quickly to another business. It's kind of the other, <laughs> the other experience uh, but almost the reverse scenario, happen. The business does AI kind of voice recognition, helping computers learn stuff about voices largely, search results a little bit. Um, basically kind of, you know, the, the idea of, you know, Google Translate's really good at choosing two contexts and saying uh, two things are the same. You know, the, the old Rosetta Stone idea of two versions of the same text, it can kind of automatically translate some of this stuff. Other search engines aren't quite so good and voice recognition and accents are really, really hard. And so Appen's providing services that help that business uh, do well and hopefully do it really well. If that's the case, hopefully you're in a situation where the company itself knows what it's doing, knows how to do it, uh, and is doing a pretty good job. The challenge, I think, is the market doesn't love it. And to the extent the market doesn't love what's going on, um, the shares have fallen almost two thirds, three quarters since November in concerns that revenue growth wasn't maybe as fast as was previously expected, the company announced that some of its customers had reduced the use of its services. Comes out during the week, says, Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> we'll do what we said we we're going to do. And the shares jumped 20% now, 18%. 18% was the headline. Of course, as I said in the opening, shares were still down 60% since November. So you've kind of got both being true at the same time. And it's yeah, you know, mm. we talked about earlier one of those things about it depends what point you choose to, to use or use the Bitcoin example. The reverse is true. Wow, shares up 20%. Wow, shares down 60%. Both true. Mm it's just it's yeah, just a, yeah. a time, it's just a time frame question right um, i don't know if you have any thoughts on appen the business or, or 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 you know the kind of the movements we've seen um, again down 2 thirds. Mm. Yeah, you know maybe the market was wrong then maybe it's wrong now maybe it was right in both cases and the business just deteriorated but it is one of those scenarios where such big meaningful falls really do pose the question don't they
1: yeah they do i look i think appen like eml is a great business in in, in a lot of ways. I mean, again, it's it's demonstrably there just in terms of the the sheer scale of their top line growth. And this is another Aussie company. That's a genuine global leader in its field. It's a very, very fast growing field. Um, the thing that's kept me away from things like EML and APX and other other really great companies, I've got no problem with, is the valuation problem. And this come, harks back to what I was saying before. It's <laughs> been, you know, I sort of make these proclamations, "Oh, great company, too expensive," and then sit there kicking myself for a year or two mm-hmm. as they just go ever <laughs> ever closer to, to the moon. Yeah, but yeah. but it does it does underscore the point of there there is the, price matters and there mm-hmm. is there is a danger even if even um, even when these companies, you know, recover from these little speed bumps, you know, that, that you, you can do badly when when you pay too much. I'll, I'll use the example I used last week and I've been banging on about for ages. That's after pay, you know, phenomenal <laughs> growth, A huge yeah. runway for growth. I think there's, I've, better you know, there are... Uh, Better an even chance that they're, they're a much bigger company um, in terms of sales and revenue and earnings mm-hmm. um, in, in 10 years' time than they are today. But, geez Louise, the price that you're paying. And you get to a point where the only way that that makes sense is that it never has any problems. Um, right. And, in fact, exceeds already optimistic or, or aggressive Sort of forecasts, and I just think that's mm, mm. that's a danger, and I think that's what that happen is a good example of this. So, mm, you know, mm. there was a little bit of a worry as to, you know, is this a cyclical or structural structural kind of problem? But the, but <laughs> the the damage done to the share price was in part a consequence of of the fact that prior to that, the market had assumed only perfection and and then some. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. and and that's <clears throat> I just think you need to be aware of that when you're getting involved in these kinds of companies that you do need to. have have yeah. a sense of, you, you need to fold in that margin of safety to sort of say, listen, I think this is a great business. I think it's going to yeah. be you know, capable of this kind of growth for a long, long, long time, but mm. I might mm. be wrong. <laughs> and and the, 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 the bigger <laughs> the margin of safety you have, yeah. the less yeah. the downside risk is. The, the the compromise that you take with that is is the less opportunities you'll have because yeah. you know it um and, and that's that's the thing that you have to weigh off so you yeah. need to have this balance of I'm I'm allowing for the uncertainty of the future but not to such an extent that I'm I'm so fussy and and, and so stringent in my requirements that I never buy anything so that
2: that's that's right <laughs> I don't right know how you resolve that, it's that, that scientifically yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And against like uh, like you mentioned the the, um, the Bitcoin example, the, the shares are up still sixfold in the last five years, right? So if you if you literally <laughs> if you literally gone away, you got them attacked for five years, came back, your ten grand is now worth sixty grand. You're pretty happy. Now yeah. if you, you, you know, it, w- it would have been a whole lot more. <laughs> so you're, you know your sixty grand was at some point. What does that work out to? I don't know 100, to hundred and eighty grand. Uh, you know you're pretty unhappy about losing that. But you're pretty happy about the gains you've made. It is that sense of, as you say, um, it depends on what you benchmark against and what you're using as your, as your starting point as to how happy or unhappy you are about what's going on in the meantime. <laughs> Equally, if the shares yeah. have been down for five years and it jumped from, you know, it started at two dollars five years ago. Let's say it was a dollar six months ago. Now it's now it's you know, thirteen dollars. You're also mm-hmm. really happy because you feel like oh, look yeah. I look at much money. I lost, I lost money for ages. Now I finally made some money. I'm, I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, humans are funny characters, mate. And that's again we talk about temperament a lot. We keep we will do it forever, I'm sure. Uh, but it's a really good reminder of. Just you know what sort of volatility can happen with these sort of stocks, as you say, where you know sentiment expectation uh, is so so fundamentally part of the of the share price story, if not the business story, yeah. over that five year period.
1: Yep, yep, and and I've I've some of the, I really regret it at this point in time with some of the decisions I've made um, in the last few years selling out of companies mm. on valuation concerns. And yeah. you kind of think, geez, I really like this. You know, I, I did it with zero. I did it with Pointera. <laughs> I did it with a yeah. bunch of stuff, right? And, and I'm, I'm not complaining because I did really, really, really well out of it. But it just got to a point like not, my view on the company hasn't changed at all. But wow, there is so much in that. And then you know, and then then there's more in it <laughs> the next day, exactly. and that, that's just tough. But I'm I'm okay with it. You know, I I, I think I think if if um, if you continue to do it, this, this isn't a game of perfection. You know, to think that yep. to do well, you have to buy at the very bottom and then sell at the very top is insanity. You're never going to do it, even though it would be great if you could. Mm-hmm. Um, so just on, on, on an app and a couple of things that are question marks f- for me. Um, mm. I do – they do have a pretty con- concentrated customer base, not as much <laughs> yes. as they did. They're good but customers. They're walk- big
0: customers, but there's – Oh, man.
1: Great, but if Google walks away tomorrow and actually we're going to do it a different yeah. way, then yeah. whoa! You know, there goes a very big chunk of your revenue. So it's not like there's this huge diversified customer base where no one customer <laughs> represents. You know, um, the other thing that, and this is, I just, I don't have a strong view on it, but that's kind of the point. I, mm-hmm. I, I worry that these AI algorithms reach a point. Where they can train themselves, and in yep. fact, that's happening yeah, um, already. Yeah. <laughs> it's machines <laughs> teaching machines, you know, and and it, yep. it's it's it, it's not it's not a it, it's it's a it's very hard to generalize here because AI and machine learning is a very broad topic, and there's different applications. Yeah. Whether it's voice, whether it's image, whether it's a whole bunch of kind of things. But I know on the image front, machines are getting better at sort of training themselves. And I do, and that's that's a very big existential risk. If Google figures out a way that it can actually, that it doesn't need these data sets, annotated data sets from Appen anymore. Yeah, I mean, its whole its whole reason for existence ceases overnight. And and I'm, I, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that's going to be that's going to happen. That's what I think. It's probably mm. not going to happen. In fact, but but that uncertainty and my inability as someone who's not an expert in AI to resolve that has always has always stayed my hand a little bit. Um, maybe same, maybe someone can write in and, 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 and clear that up for me. But um, yeah, for, for me, that, that, that's <laughs> something, yeah, I just, I just, I'm not sure about. And, and if I'm not sure about something or I don't have a high degree of conviction, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sort of let it pass.
0: I completely agree, mate. This, this, is, an, I, this is a tech company betting against the future of tech. <laughs> which, yeah. which, you know, yeah. at, at some point, it's like, you know, so and look, you know, we don't have flying cars. So there is absolutely, to your point, there is absolutely the chance that we don't get there any time in the next 50 years, that this becomes yeah. just remains a too hard problem. Um, you know, we know computers just really struggle to recognize, for example, to, sorry, to um, distinguish faces in some circumstances mm. or to recognize that a, a horse is a horse, right? A kid can mm. see, can work at a horse from a really stick figure drawing. Computers, you present them with a horse, they really struggle to still recognize it's a horse. Like it's, these are really tough problems. our voice is even harder again. But when I, when Apple's job is basically to fill in the AI's gaps, and you take that away, hang <laughs> when AI fills in its own gaps, what's left? Maybe they have, maybe they evolve, maybe they do something different. But to to your point, mate, I I actually Mark Brown, the CEO, was a really good guy. Um, he used to run Integrated Research. It was a recommendation of ours for a long time. I like him a lot. Know him well. Um, he's a you know a manager I really like. The the challenge I think, unfortunately, is even despite that, it's one of those questions of okay, but. You know, does the business have enough legs? You know, in a rapidly advancing tech world, to to sustain itself, maybe it does. Um, it, to me, as you've said yourself, this is one of those pure two hard basket solutions, and and ones I think it's a much better placed uh, in the two hard basket. For me, others disagree, by the way. And I, I will say to your point about selling on valuation, my this is a conversation for another day. But my one of my biggest uh, mistakes has been overweighting the risks on some of these businesses. Right? If you if you think about something that I've missed out on because I've gone, oh, there's a risk that X might happen. Um, almost that probability thing has actually counted against me because while those risks were true for all of those businesses, if you add enough together and diversify properly, I probably would have been better buying, well, I should definitely would have been better buying and right? Look at the share price result over the last five years, a six-fold return. Um, I would have been much better buying those shares. And there's plenty of others in that basket as well where I've said, oh, there's a risk of X, so I won't buy it. Um, true, but... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not proud. I'm not so proud to uh, to, to not admit that I've probably overweighted those risks uh, and avoided some upside potential where it has existed that I probably should have jumped into and unfortunately just didn't. Mate, I reckon that's done. We're, we've taken more than enough time, but a really good positive conversation. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep some more conversation for Sunday. Will you rejoin me on Sunday? I'd love to try and try and stop me. Beautiful. We will have a special mailbag edition this Sunday. By the way, I hope you liked our stock of the week. If you did. Let us know. Please do. I'll tell you how in a second. Uh, that was a, a surprise bonus episode we threw in. It's a YouTube series as well, uh, but we took the audio from the YouTube video and uh, threw it on the podcast feed. Hopefully, it's useful and interesting. It was Temple and Webster. If you haven't listened, go back and have a listen. Check it out. If you're new to the feed, jump back a couple of a uh, couple of episodes. You'll find Temple and Webster there. Um, you want to go and have a, have a look at that if you can. Speaking of which, if you are going to follow us on the social, and we hope you will, Because, you know, it's fun and interesting and that's where we get a lot of our great questions from. And if you have a question for the mailbag, that's the best place to do it. If you are on Twitter, that's the place you can find both Andrew and I. Go to Sage underscore Simeon, as in smart monkey. We can draw your own (laughs) conclusions. Have made that joke for a couple of episodes, Andrew, so it was overdue. Uh, Sage underscore Simeon, or you can go to Strawman Invest. One word, right? Did I get that right? Uh, Yes, you did. Strawman invest on Twitter. Follow me at the Multifool AU or at TMF Scott P. TMF for the Multifool. TMF Scott P. If you're on Instagram, the Multifool AU and TMF Scott P. As well. So the Twitter and Instagram handles are the same for us. If you're on Facebook, jump on the Multifool Australia or Scott Phillips Money, and look us up on YouTube. I think it's up. if you go to YouTube.com slash C slash AU, you'll find us or just search for The Motley Fool Australia and you'll find the, the video of the Stock of the Week plus some other content we're going to do more of that over the next little while so lots of places to find us and if you prefer email info at fool.com.au for any email questions comments or bits of feedback you have mate we have well and truly outstayed our welcome so all that's left to say is please do make sure you subscribe to The Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes your favourite Android podcast app or the listener app from our friends at Southern Cross Australia please leave us a rating send us a review you know it's nice to share please share that's it for this week's Motley Fool money we'll be back on Sunday
2: with another dose of foolish insight Full Fool on catch you later the Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned general advice only please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M the Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691